Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, Conversations About Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Nicole Lewis Kieber. Nicole has combined her experience as a therapist and mindset coach to assist entrepreneurs in revealing and releasing the blocks and blind spots in their business, and to have a business that is financially successful and emotionally sustainable. Nicole's articles about the impact of small t trauma on entrepreneurship can be found on Medium and in her blog. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole. I'm so delighted you're here. I am very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So it's absolutely my pleasure. And I, I have been doing some reading of your Medium posts and uh, Medium's a, a blogging platform. And it's just been uh, amazing, the, the things that you've been talking about. So I really am excited to get into this. So one of the things you talk about is having a relationship with your business as an entrepreneur. So what the heck does that even mean? Because, you know, business is supposed to be this kind of thing that we that we do, I think a lot of the old school business thought has been around, um, you know, it's, it's not something we're emotionally or otherwise connected with. So it's, it's really intriguing to talk about your relationship with your business. Right. So <laughs> it is my belief, and this is, you know, me, but I see evidence of it, that when we start a business, particularly small business, you know, or, you know, solo entrepreneurs, small business, uh, small companies, you know, someone at some point had a, a desire to start this business. And I believe that when we start a business, we enter into a relationship um, and that it is something that we nurture and that we cultivate. And my belief is when we don't know this and we don't set that intention and decide what that relationship's going to look like, that we default into old patterns of behavior and old roles from relationships that we've had either as a child or as a partner. Um, when we don't set an intention in such a high stress and high, you know, kind of crisis mode, starting a business is not easy mm. always, um, but we default to old patterns. And so um, it's not just something I dreamt up. It's something I saw happening with my own business and I saw happening with the people around me. And I was like, Oh my goodness, we are not our business and our business is not this lifeless thing either. It is actually something that we are in relationship with. And so we have to look at it that way. So when, when you talk about having a relationship with your business, I know that that's something, a phrase I've heard you say many times is that creating a business that loves you in return. So what do you mean by that? Right. So, um, I think sometimes when we enter into this relationship, we think it's one-sided and we give and we give and we give and, you know, we burn ourselves out and we, ha we usually have this, you know, mission or vision around the business that we want to create. 
And a lot of times, other than just the fact that it's going to pay our bills or maybe create some financial freedom or, you know, not having to have a boss or whatever, um, we don't think about the fact that we have needs that, that we want that business to meet for us. So what I saw um, happening in about two years into my business was, and I'm going to give a story to give context because I think this mm -hmm. is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you the abridged version. So <laughs> one, one, one February morning <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning, you know, I was uh, feeling like a lot of people who have you know, been in business for a couple of years was I was feeling very defeated and I felt like a failure. There was no evidence around me to show me that I felt like that I was a failure, mm. but I felt that way. And so that morning I was reading a, you know, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert mm -hmm. and I had this aha moment of if I'm feeling abused by my business, if I'm feeling like a victim, if I'm feeling like a loser, like whatever it was I was telling myself about myself that morning, if I'm feeling this way, um, if I'm feeling abused by my business, how did that happen? Well, the only answer to that is that I set it up that way. Mm. I set it up as my business. And that I was in a relationship with it and I had defaulted into old patterns and it started getting me in this um, rabbit hole of like, oh my goodness. And I started to see all these patterns with the people around me. And so my desire was, I love my business, but my business did not love me in return because I had not set it up to love me back. Wow. Wow. And so that's when it kind of moved on from there. And um, we have some friends in common who also say, you know, it's, this is a thing that people want. They don't want just to have a business that they're pouring all themselves into. They want a business that loves them back too. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things you talk about is like, the, how do you get a mean boss when you're self-employed? Or how do you get a mean boss when you're yeah. an entrepreneur? How do you get an abusive boss? Well, it's, this is what you're talking mm -hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so one of the very first things I do with people typically, because this is a little much, you know, to take in sometimes to say, okay, um, Nicole, this is weird. It's to say, you know, I want you to write down all the characteristics of one boss that you had that was just really nasty. You know, how did they make you feel? You know, what was it like? Um, you know, how, what were their characteristics? How did they behave to you? And on the other side of the column is, you know, have you had a boss where you felt, you know, cared for and, supportive and they were really curious about who you were and wanted to, you know, to help you move forward. What were those characteristics of that person and how did you feel? And then the next question always is, okay, so which one of those bosses are you to yourself right. <laughs> in yeah. your business? Yeah. And I think this question is so important for entrepreneurs who want to have an impact because there's a tendency to kind of look at, at it as something that you constantly give to and what I have talked about a lot and feel is so important is that there has to be a reciprocity there. There has to be a caring for yourself and a growth within yourself at the same time that you're also contributing. So, mm -hmm. and you're talking about that kind of reciprocity within a business because mm -hmm. people who want to have impact tend to kind of overgive or they're, they're mm -hmm. so committed and passionate that they, you can burn yourself out. Yeah, they lose themselves. And I'm, I say a lot, you are not your business. Your business is an entity that you are in a relationship with that you're creating to get your co-creating. And so um, you deserve to feel supported by it. You deserve to create a relationship with it that's healthy, that's balanced, that's aligned. 
And when we have purpose-driven businesses and we want to make an impact, we throw so much of ourselves into it because we have this frantic energy sometimes, or it feels so much bigger than us. And that's not always helpful um, because it shouldn't be just about our work. You know, it, there are other ways to definitely approach it. And I, and I find that when I have something to relate to and something that, and it's not all about me, it's very helpful to keep me in alignment in that way. Yeah. Well, so what should people look for? Like, what are some of the signs that your business isn't supporting you in in the greatest sense? What are are some things that pop up? Right. So if you answered those other questions that you're a mean boss to yourself, that might be the first (laughs) one. (laughs) It might be the indicator. Yeah, Yeah, you're like, oh, my God, I'm a jerk. Um, (laughs) That's the first one. The second one is if you find yourself really concerned about what I call the invisible they, like, you know, I'm letting them down or they wouldn't like this or they, 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 whatever it is, there is no invisible they. This is a projection of what you think people are saying, doing. Um, And we can really default and give our power away to that invisible they. And so if you find yourself doing that a lot throughout the day where you feel kind of bound to this invisible, you know, these invisible people who have some kind of need or want from you Uh um, that you're judging yourself for that also might be an indicator. Um, And if you're, if you are feeling put upon resentful, um, dare I say like a victim to your business, Mm -hmm. that this could be something that you need to pay attention to. That is such a powerful thing. That, that phrase, the invisible they has really struck me because how many times do we do that? How many times do we, kind of make ourselves, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this pretty strongly, but how many times do we make ourselves a victim to this nebulous they that has all these expectations of us? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that invisible they, I'll be honest, for me that morning, I'm, you know, when I realized what I had done and was seeing it around me with all my clients, I'm just like, oh my goodness, that invisible they for me that morning that was telling me that I was a failure with no evidence to support it. Um, that they, for me and my business was, um, I had set up my business to mimic, um, parental people, my (laughs) parental relationships where I could not do anything right or enough. Mm -hmm. So that invisible, they actually became a parent, a disgruntled, angry, critical parent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have done some work together and I, that is also something I realized and it's like, Wow. I sure do not mm-hmm. want. I sure do not want to play that out in my business. So, how do you how do you turn that around? How do you change that relationship? Yeah. So one of the the first things that I do um, with clients, and I've I've done this in workshops and retreats, is I have people really identify. Okay, what is your relationship with your business now? Um, is it supportive? Is it demeaning? Like, where is it? And and who does it sound like? <laughs> is there someone in your past who could be, you know, step, setting in that invisible day that's in that relationship? So we really kind of identify what the relationship they have is now and then the one that they would prefer to have. Um, and one of the, the techniques I use is for having people really identify maybe an entity or a personality or an energy, something that they can relate to. Um, outside of themselves. And so it's, you know, really, so one of my favorite things to do in a retreat is to have, 
you know, people tell me who their entity is that they want to be in relationship with their business. Like it can mm. be, you know, um, a pixie, it could be a mountain, it could be whatever it is. But I just so love seeing people look at their business in a different way because they've now assigned it a personality and separated it from themselves so that they can relate to it. So that is the first thing that we do. Right. And then I have them write a love letter to their business. And funnily enough, also have them write a love letter to themselves from their business, which obviously their business can't do it. They have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but what it does is it solidifies what is it I really want? How do I want to feel supported? What is my commitment to you, dear business? What are we going to do together in the world that's really cool? And um, it allows for us to relate and make a commitment and, you know, all the things that you would put in the love letter. I tell them, put it in love letter. Like, what, what are the, the things that you love about this person, this business? It's so amazing. Go for it. Make it juicy. And sometimes they just blow my mind when I read them. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I, uh, I mean, that really heightens your awareness of what's going on, uh, whereas, if you if you kind of have these things happening and you're not really aware, then it can continue even in, in insidious ways. It really can. And you know, honestly, I did this exercise with some you know guys at a lunch and learn who were IT, and they said, Nicole, I can't can't really relate to the whole you know like fall in love with your business thing. And um, and I said, okay, so write the letter to like your your best friend, you know, whoever it is you've known since elementary school. Who's your ride or die brother like who is that for you I said write the letter to your business as if it's him mm. and did that resonate oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great well how uh, something you talk about quite a bit is is big t and little t trauma so how does our personal trauma affect our businesses and and also some people would say well I haven't had trauma in my life. So I, I don't know how this relates to me. Can you talk some about that? Yes. I think one of my missions in life right now is to get people to, um, to educate about the different types of trauma and really so that people can claim it. <laughs> and it sounds weird to say, I want you to claim your trauma, but I really do because I think when we name something that we know how to move through it yeah. and we know we start to see where it's impact on our life has been. So Small T trauma, and there are so many variations on this around, you know, systemic oppression. Um, you know, it, there's a lot here. So I'm going to simplify it um, with love <laughs> and not trying to discount anyone or, or eliminate anyone. Mm -hmm. But we're going to simplify the, the small T trauma definition as something that has cumulatively happened in your life over and over to take you away from who you really are, you know, it impacts your confidence. Um, it wears on your self-esteem. It changes how you see yourself and that can fall into a lot of categories. And we often just look at that and people say, oh, I just had a bad childhood or I just, you know, my parents were never home. I was always alone or like me, I had a learning disability. We say I just, and then usually a small T trauma follows it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't recognize that it's a trauma, but it, it is because it takes us away from our true self. Um, and often is, you know, something that we either use to beat ourselves up with or to change who we think we are. And so when people think of the word trauma, they think of what we typically call a big T trauma, which is a big kind of more catastrophic event. Maybe it's some kind of um, sexual violence or um, 
maybe it is PTSD, maybe it's a catastrophic accident or a diagnosis, you know, that's going to change your life. You know, those are more instantaneous and they're, 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 they've hit you. They're like in this moment, you know, it's kind of fast and furious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to take a a breath here because I'm like feeling in my chest that, you know, there could be someone listening who could, um, this could be hard for them to hear and that it might bring up something for, some, for them. So I want to invite anyone who's listening. If this, if the word trauma and what I'm talking about starts to bring up something for you just to take care of yourself, you know, pause, step away, grab some water, you know, whatever it is you need to do. Cause sometimes I'll feel a tightness in my chest when I feel like that this could be something hard for people. So I just wanted to note that. Mm, thank you for saying that. Um, That's Yeah. Yeah, the ability to, to care for ourselves is something that's so very important, you know, in high stress environments and owning a business, definitely a high stress environment. Um, and so another example of how small T and big T trauma are different is I've said to people, okay, think about a mountain, um, you know, a, some dynamite detonates and it blows up the rock, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it blows it up, you know, they've got a hole through the rock now, it blew it up. Or you have a stream or a river that is constantly, you know, moving towards that rock and starting to slowly um, start to change the face of the rock, change the, you know, and eventually this, you know, water will, you know, carve, a, you know, a hole through the rock. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of more how the small T trauma is in my mind and big T is more of the big detonation. Right. Okay. So um, one of the things that's coming up a lot, culturally is things like women really speaking up when uh, regarding their own me too experiences and, mm-hmm. and even the more recent, you know, I believe you versus I don't believe you. How does that affect female founders and their businesses? Well, I always say that we don't drop our baggage at the door when we start a business and all of our experiences come with us. You know, the amazing ones, the skill sets, the belief systems, all those come with us into our business. And that includes those traumatic events that we've had sometimes. And um, there's something I'm seeing very interesting in that on one hand, female founders are feeling more empowered to use their voice, speak their truth, and take no shit. Right, right. <laughs> I should have asked you if there was a curse. That's okay. I, we, we put a disclaimer at the beginning. So if there's any little ones listening or people who prefer not to, they can they can uh, choose to put headphones on or, or not listen. So good, good, good. <laughs> so I see it empowering them to to not only create a culture in their own business where, you know, I hear you and I believe you and we're not going to let that happen here if we can help it. Um, so I, I see some power coming from it. And I also see some reflection where a lot of every day a woman comes up to me almost and says, you know what, in the, the environment right now, there are so many things in my life that happened that I just thought were a part and parcel of being a woman and that we just had to deal with. Um, and they're having these memories come up of, you know, experiences that they've had. And so it's opening their eyes and they're becoming more reflective. And of course they're having to address some of it, but it's also, again, giving them some power to name something that they thought was maybe just them or, you know, maybe they were silly to think that, you know, women, you know, get to be safe in the world. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so there has some reflection too, and they're starting to name the thing. They're starting to identify it and getting help. And an example of where I see this happening is when we talk about entrepreneurship and small business, a lot of times people who are in this arena will have an emotional issue in their business. And because no one's talking about trauma in business and no one's talking about this in this way, they go get a business solution for an emotional issue like procrastination or maybe not raising their rates because they feel uncomfortable saying that out loud or, you know, whatever it may be. And so they go get a business plan or they go get more time management coaching or or whatever it is. And it's actually an emotional reaction as opposed to a business thing. And so they're putting business solutions on emotional challenges. Hmm. And so I'm seeing now that more women that I work with are saying, you know what, I'm not a procrastinator. Like I'm fearful of this thing that I need to do. Mm -hmm. I have fear here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very empowering. We can, we can call something what it is. Yep, absolutely. Well, then you can really address what's at the heart of it. And it's not always necessarily a business issue. That's exactly. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things you've talked about, I mean, kind of carrying on in the vein of what you just mentioned, that pricing can be something that is affected by how we're, how the emotional experiences we've had. So can you talk a bit about that and, and, undercharging versus overgiving and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I started out as a money mindset coach before I moved into more of the arena of, you know, studying trauma and entrepreneurship and working with people around some of those ideas. And so one of the things that stayed constant is that our internal worth impacts our outer wealth in a lot of ways, particularly for women. And I'm not picking on women. We just, we process things different sometimes. And um, also the, the systems around us hold us in different you know, places and different roles. And um, if you have some self-esteem or self-worth issues, worthiness, it is very difficult at times to have a clear idea of what you do with value and to put a price tag on it. Because what I'm saying to people often is you need to charge um, I don't like the whole charge what you're worth. I don't think that's a good way to put it. Charge for your services in a way that is congruent with the vision of your business, not their business, not the other, but your business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, and, I like that you steer away from charge what you're worth because then that ties your worth to money and it's so much more. It is so much more and it, it just sets people up too, because if you're, if you're working on your worthiness, you still want to make a lot of money in the process. Right. And you totally can. So, you know, we kind of have to uncouple those two things. And there's also that over delivery, um, the feeling like, oh, if I charge a lot, then in a lot's relative, you know, because there's rate shame for everybody, whatever, then I feel like I have to give more than I promised because I feel shame or, you know, embarrassment for asking for that much money. Um, and I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the whole idea of rate shame. Mm-hmm. Like some people, we all kind of like, you know, tense up a little bit that some people tell us we charge too much. Some people tell us we don't charge enough. Um, and that it's really funny what people's perspective is on what we're allowed to charge in our businesses. Right. And, you know, sometimes we kind of fall for it. Yeah. So I, I hadn't heard that before. Rate shame. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I can see how that would be a thing. And it holds entrepreneurs back, certainly from charging enough. But even if you're able to charge a fair price, we sometimes can 
start to backtrack and and throw all kinds of things at the at the client of extras and bonuses and mm-hmm. and even to the extent of changing the the nature of the agreement by shifting things mm-hmm. around. I was so interested when uh, reading what you had written about. Oh yeah, Can you talk more about that. <laughs> My impromptu article when I was in Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So the idea around that definitely is that when we agree upon a price for a product with a client, no matter what it is, we've made an agreement, we've entered into this agreement and usually the details are pretty specific. And if they're not, you need to make them specific. And they said, yes. And we said, this is what I do. And what happens is when we start trying to add more, we're actually creating work for them because now they have to do the extra homework you just gave them, or now they have to think about this idea that you just, you know, kind of piled in, or we, we think we're giving more because we feel guilty and we want to do more. And actually what we're doing is we are, um, we are disrespecting the commitment and the relationship that we made with that client or around that product by um, causing them to trust us less because uh, we are not honoring the agreement because we're trying to give them more and now it requires more of them. Well, and and that original agreement was made between grownups. And they said, yes, right. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and um, one couple of things that really struck me about that article and you gave the example of being in Charleston and uh, taking this uh, haunted tour and the guy uh, over delivering in ways that you did not value because it extended the tour way beyond Mm -hmm. the time you'd agreed on at the beginning. And he, he in effect disconnected from you as the client. And then in the end you disconnected from him. All of which. Yes, because it became all about him. Like yeah. he wanted to spin his yarn and tell his stories in ways that were really not that helpful. But, you know, a one and a half hour tour ended up being almost three hours and we still weren't done and we were hungry. And we wanted to go have a drink and we needed to go to the bathroom. Right. And so we had disconnected from him at that point. We went from being interested and happy to be there to being ready to disappear. And kind of, we just kind of walked away from the tour. He was still gone when we left. Wow. Um, and didn't feel like we got our value from our tour. We felt like it was less value because it was longer and he didn't even, he, he wasn't attuned to us and that was a problem. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure all of which he didn't want in terms of his intention around it. He wanted no. to remain connected with you. So he thought he was doing the best job, giving us extras, taking more time. And we all just wanted to go get a beer. <laughs> Well, that's a great example of a, of a situation like that. And looking at it from the client's perspective, which we don't necessarily always do or, or continually enough. So, yeah. Also, when it comes to sustaining your business, I, I think that um, what how we conduct ourselves in our business, how we choose to use our time and energy is something that is really, it really is a big factor in how well you feel about your business at the same time you're being successful at it. So that whole sustainability question and productivity, and uh, I I get so uh, concerned when people talk about being driven. And Mm. I get the essence of really 
being connected with your impact purpose, which with what your desire is in terms of contribution, but at the same time, how good is that for you as a business person? And therefore, how good is it in terms of your ability to sustain it? Exactly. I, so one of the, um, one of the processes that I use is I call it an emotional sustainability plan. Mm. And again, when you start a business, no one asks you how you want to feel about it. Right. <laughs> or if you've had any experiences from your past that could come back and cause a problem, you don't really ask you those questions. Um, we get a business plan and all that stuff. So really what you're speaking to is it's an emotional sustainability plan for your business. It has to do with um, how do I want to feel? Because when we really figure out how we want to feel about our business and in our business, it's, we're, it's quicker for us to realize when we've gotten out of alignment because we've identified the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there are so many areas in which that we can create these containers to help keep us directed and moving forward with support so that we don't burn ourselves out. Because even the best idea, even the best business, even the biggest impact, it needs a process and it needs that sustainable energy and you can't go at it like a rocket right. <laughs> and, and keep it going there. And so there's some ways to kind of look at it and say, okay, so what is my mission and my vision? And just keep that present nearby where you can see it to keep you on task and keep you on track. What are the boundaries that you've created for your business? Like how, what are the hours that you're going to work every day? Mm -hmm. You know, um, who are the people I'm going to be you know, providing this service to? And how will I know when I've gotten out of alignment for that? And this is not the whole avatar thing. This is about who are my clients? Because I would imagine if you're someone who wants to make big impact, you probably have a lot of experience, a lot of different skill sets, and you can do a lot of things um, that might be outside of what your vision for your business was, but would be like, oh, I can make some money doing that. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that it may not always be in alignment to help you sustain your business. And I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who have, who are running their business and their company from the corner of their kitchen table, not because they wanted a laptop lifestyle, because they are afraid to take up space and inconvenience their family. Uh, wow. And so for me, that's the question I ask around that sustainability. You know, you can hustle it up and work, you know, while you're making spaghetti for the family for a little while, but you can't keep that going forever. You need your own space. You need a place to grow this business, like literally grow it, feeling supported and feeling grounded in it. And you deserve that space for yourself to do that. And, so, and we often don't give ourselves that. So those are some of the ideas around the emotional sustainability plan to help you have a business that you don't have to hustle and burn yourself out for, that you can grow together, you and your business, within the confines of the agreements that you've made with each other about it. Well, and, and once you have, have this initial awareness, how do you keep it up? How do you check in with yourself around whether you're really maintaining that or, or is that, is that something that you recommend for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, all new relationships need some maintenance, right? So um, having all these categories worked out um, is important. And then, you know, when you've stepped outside of it, because you'll start to feel it and you'll start to see it because you've already mapped it out. 
And it's really just a matter of, of spending some time with yourself and saying, you know, am I in a relationship with my business that, that feels healthy and that I'm proud of? And if not, where am I at? Like, where have I gone sideways? Because we're human beings. We're going to do that. Mm -hmm. I have a picture of my business entity in my office. So when I'm feeling tempted to do something outside of my wheelhouse or tempted to push through or tempted to do anything that's not in alignment with my business, I can look up at that picture and he's going to give me a look. And, <laughs> and I, I, so I'm just like, you know, um, I can ask him, I can just say, what do you think? And I know the answer is like, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That just, you know, that's just chasing a dollar. Yeah. I love that. That's great. The visual, it's so powerful to have it right in front of you. Yes. So I'd love to kind of delve in a little bit on your experience with your own business. And, and mm -hmm. I'm curious how you see the impact of this work. How do you, what impact do you think this has on your clients and beyond them to the people they touch as well with their business? Yeah. Wow. So a little background, um, and I'm sure you'll note some of this, but you know, I was a therapist for 18 years and not only that, I was a social worker. <laughs> so um, I bring a different set of eyes to this. When I started working with my clients around mindset, I started to realize, hey, this is not a mindset problem. Um, and mindset's not magic. It's not the flip of a switch. It is a practice. And I think a lot of times people forget that. And then they, again, they use mindset as a weapon to beat themselves up. Um, and I began to see that we weren't talking about mindset, even within my own business and with my clients, we were talking about patterning of behavior, thoughts, feelings, and emotions that were really connected to experiences that they had in some, in their childhood. And so I started looking underneath that to say, okay, so this is actually trauma. You know, my clinician's mind was seeing it as trauma. Mm -hmm. And how is it impacting their business? Well, it was impacting their business because no one expects trauma in your business. Right. It, it was a new arena. Mm -hmm. They didn't expect it. And so what, it, the, the biggest transition I think that my clients have made is that they are honoring their experiences. They are naming them, and they are also seeing the resilience and the skill sets that they gained from those experiences that, that caused them to want to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people I work with are highly creative. They're very driven. Um, they are very self-directed. They have been survivors their whole life, so they have this amazing ability to get things done and push through. And at some point they can't do that anymore because it requires them to leverage their time and requires them to bring on employees and start to trust people with this business that they're creating. Right. And that is often the time for people come to me is because they're struggling to trust. And again, this is where some of the things from their past have come up where they're, they can't trust their employee. They can't delegate. They can't rely on anyone and it's impacting their ability to grow their business, make more money and feel like they're not doing everything themselves because they don't really want to do everything themselves. They just don't know how to accept that help. Mm -hmm. And so what it's really kind of come down to is that those experiences, they're, they're naming them. They're seeing how they're impacting their business. They can tell you to the penny sometimes where an, an, a decision that they made based on, you know, some kind of old programming, you know, held them back. 
And once they see it, they begin to change it and it changes everything for them in their business. And they also start to connect with that. I call it your inner kiddo, you know, like that seven-year-old, that 10-year-old, whomever at some point, you know, had an, an experience where they felt like their power was removed. They start to connect with that part of themselves and realize that that little kiddo is running part of their business. Mm -hmm. And they start to connect with them and they start to say, hey, you don't have to do this. You didn't have to be a CEO. <laughs> Let me do this for you. Right. And so, yeah, so that's kind of what happens is um, you start to be able to name stuff, recognize the pattern, disrupt the pattern, be kind to yourself and start to trust those around you to help you grow the thing that, you're, that you love. Mm -hmm. And what impact do you think that has on the larger world? I mean, great, they have a business, but is, does it, in my mind, impact always ripples out. Mm -hmm. So Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what it does is, I always say the inner kiddo in me sees and honors the inner kiddo in you. <laughs> so then what they're able to do is take things less personally and start to see the impact of the people around them that those experiences they've had for them and, and not to take responsibility for them. They're not therapists. So this is not really therapy, but they're a little bit more empathetic. Mm -hmm. And so they can have some more compassion um, for their employees or maybe for some of the people that they're dealing with. And for me, the bigger why is that I would absolutely hate for a woman in particular, and I'm not, this does impact everyone, but this is just my why at this moment. For a woman who has been through these experiences, has rallied, survived, um, done some really cool stuff, and been brave enough to start their own business to make an impact, mm -hmm. and for their trauma to be the thing that holds them back from financial freedom and from making this big impact and being successful, that to me would be a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And so I always say not on my watch, because when they can do this work, then they can help other people have financial freedom in their business. And when women have money, they have freedom, they have options, they have power, they have a voice. When they have a voice, they can make change. And so I think this is super important and it's big work, because when you look at the statistics around trauma for women, this isn't a matter of if someone has experience with this. It's a matter of, you know, who and how and how much and what was the situation. Um, so I think that this is an important factor to women having more say, more financial freedom, more successful businesses and more power. Yeah. If you could see me, I, if I'd be going, yes. Are you, are you dancing? I, I know. love that. And it's that power in agency where, yeah you're able to take that and apply it to what you, how you want to contribute and to making the world a better place. And whether it's your world of your immediate family or community or, or globally even, but um, it, it allows the opportunity to do that in ways that many women, I don't think have had the opportunity to do before. Exactly. And it's not about overcoming. It's about, taking control, taking power back, making those decisions and saying, yes, and this is what I'm doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And having the ability to decide what that is. So important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When you, uh, you know, we, a lot of what we talked about is really um, under this sort of broader care, self-care, I guess. How mm -hmm. do, how do you, personally care for yourself as you're doing this work, as you're having impact? 
Yes, because I, I work with people at a pretty intensive level. I mean, I'm I'm up in their business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm I'm intimately connected with their inner kiddos a lot of the time. Um I'm like the kiddo whisperer. So what I do now, and I didn't do this when I was a therapist because I didn't know any better. Um, they don't teach us self-care mm-hmm. <laughs> and social workers and as therapists. Um, it's about how many people can you see and how much money can you make doing it. Um, I am very, I, every morning I wake up, I come outside because I, because of my own experiences, I used to wake up every morning dreading the day because it was this feeling of dread, like, okay, what's coming for me today? Because, you know, my whole life, something was coming for me. And a lot of times it was going to school and having no idea what was happening all day right? <laughs> because of my learning disability. Right. Um, so every morning I wake up, I go outside, I light some incense and I say, and I welcome the morning and I say, thank you. I love that. And I imagine what my day is going to look like and say even better. Um, cause you know, the things in my life that have happened in my business were better than anything I could have ever asked for. Mm-hmm. I would not even known you could get paid to do this. So I don't <laughs> limit myself for that. I didn't like pinch myself and I do that. And, um, I, you know, at the end of the day, I have a, it's very ritual based at this point, but it works for me at the end of the day. And I do have an end of the day, by the way, <laughs> I don't work 24 yeah. seven. That's important. That's a good it's so easy to do. Yeah. So easy to do. Mm-hmm. I, um, I light a candle and I give my worries to the flame. Anything that my clients told me that day that may have been difficult for them and the anxiety, whatever it is. I just do this little one minute ritual where I just give it all to the flame and I let it take it and let it burn it. And um, for me, that kind of energy hygiene is super important. And also knowing when I'm getting off track and when I'm falling for the invisible day again. So I do a lot of journaling and, you know, maybe I'll pull an Oracle card or something. These are none of the things I ever did before I started the business, by the way. Um, but I feel like that we need to tap into our intuition and, and self-care looks very different for a lot of people. Uh, but the most important thing is that I know that this is my business and that I'm creating it and that whatever happens with it, I have choice, I have say, and I am not a victim to it and that I am directed to change it at any moment should I see fit and that it's my power to do so. So for me, that's the most important self-care is reminding myself of that. I'm very struck by what you said about, I didn't used to do this before I had my own business. And I think that it speaks to the fact that I think we do better. And that's certainly been my experience too. When the intensity of my self-care increases, then my business expands as well. Mm-hmm. Quite striking. So I, it is, it, it is very striking. And it's something that kind of gets thrown to the side of, well, I don't have time for that. And, uh, I, but when you attend to it, it, it makes a huge difference on every level, not just how you feel, but your business as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I always, uh, uh, or, or at least in most of these interviews, I, I go into the question of, what values do you hold as most important? Because I think that our impact is so dependent on that, whether consciously or unconsciously, we act out of what we see as important, out of what we value. And the more conscious you can make that, the more you can intentionally act out of that and have impact. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what do you hold as most dear 
Uh, see, and this is so interesting. I, I value honesty and, and we all, you know, struggle with that on a variety of levels. Self, you know, denial is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but I do value honesty because I see what happens. And, and that's my whole motto is call a thing a thing. There's something beautiful that happens when we name something and we can relate to it. And if we are, you know, denying that something, if we're calling trauma, stress and overwhelm, those are symptoms of trauma. Mm. And um, so when we can get to the honest truth of what the thing is, then we can manage it and we can move through it so much quicker. And we call, we, we, <laughs> we are a society who doesn't call a thing a thing. Um, and so I think that that's a, a value of mine is to be honest whenever possible, mm-hmm. to name it, to allow people to have space to do some self-inquiry and say, you know what, how am I contributing to this? Let me be honest with myself. Let me hold a container for you so you can be honest with yourself without too much judgment so that you can get to the real root of the issue. And so that value around honesty and truthfulness um, I think it also bumps up against this value of that we all have these experiences when we're children that kind of get frozen in time mm-hmm. and that we all have these little kids in us that just want to be heard, seen, valued, and sometimes to get to go take a nap because they didn't ask for any of this, you know? <laughs> um, and that's really, those are the two values that really direct me is to help people get in touch with themselves and to have that honesty about um, in the bigger picture about you know, I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I spent on business coaches telling me not to use the word trauma. Yeah, I can imagine because <sighs> it's a it's a provocative word. It's one that it really is. It's a misunderstood word. Yeah. So my my uh, my value is to educate people about what it is. And so when I started using that word, my business exploded. You know, in a, the best way. So I think honesty and truthfulness as much as possible is so important. Mm. Well. Um, yeah, I want to thank you for having the honesty to use that word, because I think it also really grabs your attention. And at least it did me of, uh, oh, this is like a real thing. This is not just a mindset thing. It's not just a, just your mindset, you know, an attitudinal. It, it's actually bigger than that and needs to be treated with respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I always uh, now wrap up these interviews with a rapid round of three questions. So are you game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So first question is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Well, the biggest thing I've learned is that um, impact doesn't mean big. (laughs) Mm. It's a lot of little actions, a lot of little decisions, a lot of little words that you use in honesty. Um, and asking for things that those have impact much more than these big splashes. Mm, love that. So what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Calling a thing a thing <laughs> and <laughs> not trying to be someone else for sure. And asking, asking for that conversation, asking for the opportunity to share my message in front of a community um, asking someone, hey, have you considered that you know, some of the clients that you're working with that are, that are really kind of struggling around these mindset pieces, that there might be something else, diff- something else there? Is that something you would like to talk about? So I was joking with um, uh, Tara McMullen yesterday. I said, 
when people look at my life and they say, what was the secret to Nicole's success? Right. <laughs> I'm going to say to them, she just asked. Uh-huh. Love it. And third, what's one insight or piece of advice you would share with another business owner who's asking themselves, how can I positively affect my own environment and the larger world? How can I have impact? Know yourself, all the parts of you. And um, know that even those challenges that you've had have some kind of skill or gift or something in them. That's not to say that I want you to go through that, but Mm -hmm. there is something there for you. And you can use that skill set and that gift to make that impact and to move forward. And that just be true to who you are. There's enough, there's nothing more true than you. So stick with what you know and stick with who you are. That's great. Well, Nicole, I want to thank you so much for being here and having this conversation. I, I love that you bring this as a, uh, to us as entrepreneurs as deserving to feel supported by our businesses. It's such a great way of looking at it and how we can nurture and cultivate ourselves at the same time that have our business do that at the same time we're nurturing and cultivating our business. So thank you for being here today. It has been my pleasure. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah. So I think my website's probably the best place to go. It's um, Nicole.Lewis-Keeper.com. And hopefully you can put that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And if you're curious about what your relationship with your business is, there is a self-assessment on that, um, you know, the very first page that you go to, to invite you to go through that workbook to figure out where am I at with my business and our relationship? (laughs) Is it, you know, is it loving or am I writing a Dear John letter? I don't know. So yeah. Great. Okay. Well, Nicole, my inner kiddo sees and honors your inner kiddo and it also honors the work you're doing in the world. So thank you for that. Thank you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.